On today's episode of Sports in the World Football Edition, me and Chris recap the NFL Week 13. Chris gives you his start and settings for fantasy football. We recap Week 14 in college football and preview Conference Championship Weekend Week 15. And Chris talks about his experience at the Swamp and so much more. That's today on Sports in the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius Brown, and on behalf of Chris and myself, we both want to thank you for listening to Sports of the World Football Edition, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you have any comments, thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, head over to our social media at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, to go to the About tab. listen to every episode, check out the content, leave your thoughts and comments there as well. Once again, we thank you for your time. For listening to Sports in the World Football Edition. And welcome into Sports and the World Football Edition. I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us, do Anchor, Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcast. And anyways, your podcast can be heard. We both truly do appreciate it. And how are you, my man? I'm recovering, man. I need a vacation to uh, recover from the vacation, man. <laughs> oh yeah, you went to the uh, you went to the game here in Florida. You were down here. Yes, sir. And, and if you watched ESPN, you saw my ugly mug right on the sideline. <laughs> I think I think ESPN. I think that was their highest rated clip. I think we'll, we'll <laughs> I wouldn't go that far now. We'll 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 get a we'll get our statistician on that. So so anyway, let's just dive right on in. And talk about some of your thoughts on NFL Week 12. Well, for the few games I did get to watch, like I said, being on vacation, I kind of put a hindrance on uh, the ability. You know, I, I caught some of the Thursday games in and out of my uh, Thanksgiving a coma. So hopefully everyone had a happy turkey day and got fat as shit and enjoyed their food and didn't kill each other doing their Black Friday shopping. Uh, so I got to watch the... Uh, Chicago and Detroit game, and you could, you know, I have like I have a small glimmer of hope for Chicago. You know, I Mitch Trubisky definitely is the answer. I think he needs to go. The kid tried. I think his mistake was is he had that one good year at UNC. He's like fuck it, I'm going to enter the draft, and here we are. And it didn't. Uh, I don't think he learned enough in college to be able to progress to be successful in the NFL. And I, you know, and and he's doing an okay job in the NFL, but he's not really blowing the doors out. He makes a lot of of uh, errors, I think, mental errors. You know, he's not doing his checkdowns properly. Um, you know, he makes bad on-field calls, audibles. But then games like this against Detroit, he comes out and and gunslings it. Uh, you know, Allen Robinson had a great game. Uh, you know, I had him on my fantasy team, so that, that definitely allowed me to put a hurt on somebody right out of the gate. Um, Detroit, you know, with with Bradford going out, um, or excuse me, Stafford going out, um, you know, that that definitely hurt. And then Driscoll goes out, uh, <laughs> you know. But the, this third string kid that they had uh, didn't look too terrible. You know, if if you look at, at at the stats of the game would blow or blow or however you want to pr- 
pronounce his name. You know, he went 22 for 38, 280 yards, two TDs, and uh, and one interception. It's really not bad, all things considering, if you look at it. Um, you know, if you stay on the, the Lions side, Galladay had a phenomenal day, four receptions, 158 yards, a touchdown. Oh, uh, Marvin Jones, you know, 40 yards and a touchdown. And then you look at the uh, the Chicago side, you know, and then also shout out to Scarborough, too. I mean, he, he had 83 yards on, on 21 carries. Uh, he's going to be a name to watch out for next season, I think. I, I would definitely keep your tabs on him. And if you do fantasy, keep him on your uh, on your watch list. You know, and then Chicago side, you know, Trubisky went 29 for 38, 338 yards, three TDs, one pick. Um, you know, Montgomery kind of held it down on the rushing. Cohen just wasn't wasn't there on the on the rushing side. Uh, receivers, you know, uh, Miller had you know 149 yards, or excuse me, 140 yards. Uh, Robinson had 86 yards and and the touchdown. Um, it, all in all, it was. You could tell Chicago wanted that game. They saw that, you know, they they needed to win that game to to kind of stay relevant, stay in the picture. You know, they're six and sitting at six and six right now. Detroit's three, eight and one. So you kind of know Detroit season's over. Um I caught a little bit of the, the Bills and Cowboys game, and I think I I think I actually picked the Cowboys to walk away with that one. Um and, you know, I was mistaken on that one. That was the, the part of that game I did get to see because we were eating when that game was on. So I had to, you know, do the whole family thing. Um, but, you know, Dak Prescott, again, had another phenomenal game. 32 for 49, 355 yards, two two TDs, one pick. Uh, you know, Zeke had an okay day on the ground. He had 71 yards on the ground. Had 66 receiving yards. Didn't find the end zone, though. Um you know, and then you look over on Buffalo side, you know, Josh Allen, 19 for 24, 231 yards, you know, a touchdown, uh, you know, I mean, that that Buffalo came out to to definitely show why they're they're, you know, a nine and three organization and why Dallas is only a six and six. Again, Garrett is the problem. He needs to go instead of clapping on the sidelines, you know, fucking do something, man. Uh, it's just I, I don't. I don't understand how that man still has a job. I that that is a mystery of the world. You wonder how the pyramids are built. You wonder how the Aztecs disappeared. You wonder about China from the old Attitude Era, and then you wonder about Jason Garrett. <laughs> how he still has a fucking job. I love that reference. I love that uh, reference. You know, and then of course you know the Saints and the Dirty Birds. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say with these guys, with the Falcons, man. Uh, uh, they were a bunch of jive turkeys, I'll say it. The, the thing that I don't understand is how Quinn hasn't been fired yet, but yesterday the Panthers fired Ron Rivera, who actually has a winning record, who took him to the Super Bowl, and is doing the best he can with a team that's an honestly complete disarray. Your, your franchise starting quarterback, Medea, is hurt or mentally hurt or whatever but somehow Quinn has a job at Rivera gets fired but to each his own um but you know Matty Ice out there is gunslinging though 35 for 50 312 yards two two TDs two picks um I actually sat him this week in my in my fantasy league and I picked up uh Allen 
on the waiver. And so he actually did me some good. He didn't get me as many points as Ryan did, but it was still luckily this week for me, and we'll jump into fantasy. This week was a, a blessing for me. Uh, more to come on that. Um, but, you know, Devonta Freeman got kind of thrown back in the rotation. He had 51 yards on the ground. Uh, in the air, Ridley is still holding it down. Uh, yeah, he had 91 reception yards. Um, and then you look over at Drew. Drew Brees had a very low-level game, 18 for 30, 184 yards with a TD. Um, odd for him, Kamara had 61 yards on the ground. Hill had 33 with a touchdown. Uh, Jared Cook was the was the asset in the receiving core. You know, three receptions at 85 yards. Um, you know, he. I don't know why Oakland decided to 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 trade him away. I think that was a mistake. I mean, they're killing it with Waller, but Cook is a stud, man. And uh, you know, so we'll see what happens. Michael Thomas only had 48 yards. He didn't even see the end zone. Um, and then Hill got another one in. Uh, you know, we see why the Saints are 10 and 2. They played great on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, the Falcons are now at 3 and 9, and we wonder what happens now. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's a very good question. And, and, and I'm going to get into that when I do my, you know, what, because as a fan, and, and you're a Jets fan, I'm going to talk about your Jets. Jeez, I'm sorry. I, I apologize in advance. So. <laughs> <laughs> Full discretion, folks. Viewer discretion is advised. You know, Chris, as a fan, we both, I think we can agree, this season, we watch our teams and we question that we know there's talent. And we know, we have a sense as fans, we know it's coaching. We know it's coaching. But apparently those who sits in the, the luxury boxes, they don't see the same, they, I guess they're too far away from the game to actually see. And I saw that game, Chris, and I, I stopped watching because, you know, once again, I keep going back to the way with this analogy. It felt like 50 Cent at a Ja Rule concert. People started filing out because if you're paying money to see that, Matt Ryan got sacked nine times. Yeah, I mean, like how... How how do you allow that as an offensive line, as an offensive coordinator, and as a head coach? I mean, there's there's something clearly wrong in the Atlanta organization. And I think inevitably it's gonna cost Matty Ice his career. Um, because he's only he ain't getting any younger, let's face it. And Tom Brady is another spectacle of it. You know, you can see that age is, is finally caught up with him this season. He's not mobile. I mean, he's really never been mobile, but he's less mobile than before. And these hits are just wailing on him. And, you know, Matty Ice has always had a good pocket to throw out of statistically. Uh, and then this year, it, it, it's like he has a center to snap the ball to him, and that's it. Like, he doesn't have guards. He doesn't have tackles. He doesn't have tight ends. It's just him running for his life. Uh, looks very reminiscent to. Uh, I got to watch some of the highlights for the Jets and Bengals game, and um, you know only the Jets could lose l- literally to the two worst teams in the NFL. Somehow put an outright ass whooping on the Raiders, and and here we are. I you know I don't know. Um, 
but yeah, I'll let you cover that. And then uh, definitely the game that was probably the most fun to watch was the Monday night game with Minnesota and Seattle. And uh, thanks to Kirk Cousins for securing my playoff spot in, in one of the leagues I'm in for his, his fourth quarter uh, comeback. <laughs> but uh, it just, you know, Russell Wilson, by he, he is, he's just the most underrated person, I think for quarterbacks. I mean, he, you know, he, he's won a Super Bowl, He's done all these great things, but I don't, I feel like he just still gets overlooked and he just, he just shows how resilient he is in the air, on the ground. Uh, you know, it's just, it was just an outright fun game to watch from kickoff to the end. Um, cause I, you know, I, I was getting ready to turn it off. I, I want to say it was, I think it was, Thirty four seventeen is is when I, I was like, you know what, this game's done. I'm gonna and then I was like, you know what, I'll I'll watch till like the next commercial break and then I'll go to bed. And then uh that's when Treadwell caught that fifty eight yard touchdown from Cousins and I was like, Oh, well shit, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got the fantasy alert and then I was at this point three points away from beating my guy and I was like I literally need him to complete one pass for 10 yards and I will beat the son of a bitch. So then I was like, now I have to stay up. And uh, so that was, it was such a great game to watch. The only other game that I, I uh, had a a pleasure of watching was the new England and Houston game. And I enjoyed that. I really did. Anytime I get to see Tom Brady throw a temper tantrum and Bill Belichick throw a temper tantrum and just a sour patch kid face on a New England fan base that warms my heart just that much more. That 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 put me in a Christmas spirit. <laughs> you know that game there. I I think that I, I think we learned a lot. You had a great stat, and I'm not, you had a great stat you posted. If you look at Tom Brady since I believe week four, if you look at his stats. He's no better than Mitchell Trubisky. And and I think we both know how I feel about Mitchell Trubisky. I think we both have, we echoed the same sentiments, I believe, when it comes to Mitchell Trubisky. And But yet, what do we say about Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, we're saying he's done. We're saying that, oh, this guy is garbage. But listen, I think New England fans, look, luckily, look, the way that defense played, that's the, the defense looked like a bunch of soup they like the Super Bowl defense the first the first quarter of this season and then all of a sudden you know who they look, look who they lost to they lost to Lamar Jackson and now Deshaun Watson Chris those are the two other best teams in AFC yeah and, and if I'm a New England fan right now guess what if you if you're a New England fan if you look at your AFC if you look at your playoff bracket guess where's the chance you're gonna have to go to Baltimore again so, so at some point, because I just listen, unless at this point, Chris, you know, I'm not going to go into Brady's stats. It's just you look on the field, you saw panic, you saw chaos. And I don't care what business you're in, Chris, when you see panic and chaos, you get That's out of there. Sign. It's like stock market crash of 829, folks. People are jumping out of windows, preferably here in New England. Because they're like, listen, you're you're probably slipped to maybe the third best team in the AFC. 
Because, like I said, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that Houston, listen, Houston plays in the AFC South, but let's face the reality. New England, they've lost to those two teams, so why would they not be ahead of them? So at the end of the day, that's one of the things that I took away from that game. And once again, that Seattle game, I could talk about Russ ad nauseum, but, you know, what I will say, what I will say about him is if it wasn't for that Lamar Jackson guy over in Baltimore, Russell Wilson would be the MVP of the league. And, and you know, and to echo what you said earlier, Chris, he's very, you know why he was undervalued, I believe, as a quarterback? It's because of that, because of that defense. Yeah. I think that Legion of Boom, yeah. I think we didn't value him because of that defense, because of Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, and those guys over there. We didn't value him. You know, everybody in that building did, but we, you know, exterior of that organization didn't. And he got paid like he, he deserved to get paid. And they're tending to, and listen, I, you know, I think, in my opinion, we might, listen, I wouldn't put the realm of possibility curse of a Seattle, of a bird, of an all-bird Super Bowl with the with the Seahawks and the and the Ravens, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. But I feel like this is uh, a little reminiscent of Endgame that um, Lamar Jackson is kind of like the the Captain America Iron Man to uh, Brady Stanos, and uh, we're finally going to be able to uh, to to get out of this Tom Brady esque era of. Uh, of demolition but you know as long as you know the patriots have the extra you know five people on their team that wear black and white they're still a force to be reckoned with yeah without question and i'm just i'm just gonna run down because you covered a lot i'm gonna run down i want to go back to that Bills game like you say with the, with the buffalo bills listen josh allen went 19 to 24 231 yards a touchdown a rushing td josh allen has had at least two touchdowns in eight consecutive games that's a franchise record and then he had 120.7 qbr and then cole beasley listen he had six or seven 110 yards a touchdown he's had five receiving touchdowns this season he he had two years of five touchdowns in dallas that was back in that was back in 15 and 16 so Dallas is looking like maybe we got rid of the wrong guy and Buffalo is five on the one, five and one on the road this year. First time since '66, nine wins through twelve games. They haven't done that since 1996. That was Jim Kelly's last season. So I think it's time to look at Buffalo and go. Listen, if New England slips, because listen, they got to play Buffalo again. I'm just saying, you know, I think I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I think people need to be a little lookout for that. Could could Buffalo be the new uh, AFC East uh, powerhouse? I, you know, with with the structure they have, a great defense, a young quarterback, this is what I wanted the Jets to be. Because, because really, Chris, I do believe that. Listen, New England. I think, I think this year they've shown that the wheels are falling off, but they have like that, you know, that flex seal. They're putting a lot of flex seal on that team, <laughs> and it's a lot of flex seal. It's like, oh, we have a hole in our defense. Flex seal. Tom Brady is making mistakes. Flex seal. They've been protected because of who they played. But now when they play two legit teams, they've got uh, legit losses. And so I tell people, listen, who you play matters. I'm like, listen, just like I said, I'll, I'll talk about the Niners. It's the same logic. 
as you know, as a Dallas Cowboys, listen, if you're listening, Dallas, I listen, I apologize. Well, I apologize in advance. Listen, Dak Prescott, you read his numbers. Now, Chris, remember, I don't know if you remember, Chris, I talked about the number of attempts that Dak Prescott had. It's 50. If you stay under 50, you win games. Right. So you, you, so you heard that. He stayed he, under 50. He was at 49. He, he listen, <laughs> here's the thing. He's three and six when he's over 40 attempts. Chris, when he's, when he's at 31 or more, he's 16 and 17 record-wise. What is that telling you, Jason Garrett? This ball, he shouldn't throw the ball no more than 20 to 30 times a game. And Ezekiel Elliott, Chris, I think Ezekiel Elliott was on that milk carton because we didn't see him in the second half. He had 54 rush yards and 20 yards receiving in the first nine minutes of the game, Chris. You know what? You know how many yards he finished with at the end of that game? Did old Zeke? Uh, you know, I don't know off the top of my head, but go ahead. And you caught me off guard, so go ahead and enlighten me. 71 rush yards and 66 receiving yards. That's how he finished. So, mind you, I just said, so basically he only got, folks, he, 17 more rush yards and basically 46 more you know, receiving yards the rest of the whole game. Jason Garrett, listen, Mr. Clapper, look, dude, I got, I think I'm done with him. I'm done. I think if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, if Ron Rivera got fired and this bum kept his job, that's all you need to know. So, curveball, Ron Rivera's out of a job. Mm-hmm. I, I almost expect, I think, at this point that Jason Garrett's going to be out of the job one thing i will say with jerry jones is that he i think he listens to his fan base um you know he they saw that to was uh, more of a, a danger than a you know because of his, his personal antics they got rid of him they saw they needed a receiver they went out and snagged amari cooper um do you think dallas could be a more competitive nfc team if let's say Ron Rivera gets into the helm, you've got a more than capable quarterback. You have arguably a top three running back in the NFL. Uh, you have, I think a new tight end, I think is an order. Jason Witten is just too old to be out there. Just, just banging pads with people. You've got, you know, Gallup, you've got Cooper, you've got a good Dallas's defense. Isn't bad. I mean, they're not great, but they're not bad. They're a very middle-of-the-road team. Do you think that a middle-of-the-road team could go on the high side with just a, a, a decent coach? I, I think they do. And, you know, I, I said it when he got fired. Ron Rivera will be coaching in 2020. I, I do believe – I listen, you know, with, with Juan Rivera, listen, he was 76-63-1 in nine years at Carolina. You know, he had a 3-4 and four playoff record – Listen, that's more than Jason Garrett, folks, just in case, you know, Sesame Street. So just in case you didn't know, that's how you know. I don't even think the Cowboys have had seven playoff appearances. No, they haven't. <laughs> they haven't. Playoff, that's that's something other teams do. He's the winningest coach in the history of Carolina. You know, Ron Rivera, listen, he had ebb and flows, but listen, he took Cam Newton to a Super Bowl. And, and I'm not saying that Dak is better than – than Cam or vice versa. What I'm saying is that if I'm Jerry Jones, I don't think Jerry will go to Ron Rivera. I think Jerry is looking, he's I think he's looking at Lincoln Raleigh in Oklahoma. I think he's looking 
like yeah, I think you talk about Urban Meyer, he's looking to go to college because he did it. He's done it twice. He did it with with Jimmy Johnson and he did it with Barry Switzer. So I I think those are the last two coaches to win Super Bowls in that franchise. So, but if but if I'm a if I, if I'm a team looking for a coach, I would really look at Ron Rivera because listen, he he's in a in a market where they just don't win. He's the winningest coach at 76 wins. In the history of that it's not a long history of franchise, but 76 wins. He should right. get another. Yeah, he's he's done. And if you look at if you look at the NFC East, <laughs> it's not got, just, nobody got, wants to win it. The Cowboys at six and six, the Eagles at five and seven, or the Skins at three and nine, and the Giants at two and ten. Did you know that? The NFC West, the two top teams, the the Seahawks and the 49ers combined, have more wins than the entire NFC East division. It's that bad. It's that bad. I'm like, I think you can make the same point. You could I think the AFC South is not that far behind either. It's it's, it's that bad. It's yeah, the that. AFC South is. Uh, you know, you got the Texans at eight and four. Uh, the Titans at seven and five, the Colts at six and six, and the Jags at four and eight. So I would say that division's at least a little bit tighter between the Texans and uh, the Titans. And and you can almost make an argument against that that the Titans or excuse me, the Texans are like a noticeably good team. Yeah. If you if you look at the 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 NFC East. There is no no when a six and six Dallas is your your cream of the crop, you got problems. You got the Eagles that that are choking against, uh, you know the the goddamn Dolphins, the Giants. You know I'm not making excuses for them, but I think they're in a rebuilding phase. Um, you know trying to build uh, a, a a defense against. Um, uh, their new quarterback, they're kind of, you know, m- removing Eli fully out of the situation. They got rid of OBJ and his obnoxious personality. So, th- you know, they're just, uh, they're, they're starting from brick one and building their, their new home. The, the Redskins, they're just, they're the Redskins. That's about the best thing I can say for them. But yeah, it's just, you know, the Cowboys could easily win that division. They could easily make it to the playoffs with a better coach because yeah. of the position. And and we talk about it, about divisional. We talk about it a lot in college, how certain teams have a better track, especially now in, in this playoff system that they're using, they have an easier track because of the lack of competition in their conference. You look at Ohio state and the big 10, you know, Ohio state beat Michigan. They beat uh, Penn state. I'll, I'll give them respect. They they finally beat good opponents. So I will give them that. But because the other 10 games a season they play are worthless, they can run up to score, pad their stats, and make themselves look better. And that pushes them in the playoffs. Or if you think back to the BCS system, you would have teams from like the Pac-12 who really aren't that good if you take them out of the Pac-12 and put them against any other conference. And they would get these super high seed bowl games or almost a national championship appearance. And, you know, Notre Dame's a prime example. You know, uh, Notre Dame plays nobody all season. They, I, I vaguely remember they, they got put into a, a national title game. And 
it was it was ugly. It was fucking ugly for him. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, so uh, with the Cowboys, they could be in that position where they could have that easy playoff seat, where they could get a guaranteed seat into a round one playoff if they just get a new coach. I, you know, and I, I I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I just I I at least respect that program enough that they're trying. And the players are out there. Dak is out there busting his ass, and and Zeke, that little Ewok looking dude, uh, Gallup, and and you know Cobb, and all they're out there giving it their all. But uh, but then you have Garrett on the sideline playing clap on clap off with uh, you know with with, with the the plays, and I think there needs to be a changing in the guard there, and I think Jerry Jones is slowly starting to realize that. Yeah. And, you know, real quick, listen, you know, when I talked about Dak Prescott and those 31 attempts, Chris, these are his stats when he throws the ball 31 more or more times. 55 of 90, 734 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. His QBR is 87.9. It, it, it goes to prove that, listen, he throws the ball, that's great. His numbers are better statistically when he throws the ball between 20 and 30 times. That's where his bread and butter is. And... And I think that that goes to play calling and that goes to just straight up coaching. And to, to fast forward, I promised you guys some jet stuff. So I'm not going to disappoint you. Now, when I saw the game, I'm like, I'm going to pick the Jets. Uh, you know, listen, it's Cincinnati. It's cold. I get it. You know, you know, even the, I think the University of Cincinnati football team has more wins than the Cincinnati Bengals. So. You can look that up, folks, it, but you don't have to because I'm right. Here's the thing with the Jets. Darnold didn't have a bad game, 20 to, 20 to 48, 239 yards. And, Chris, here's a fun stat, and you mentioned it, and you, you beat me to the punch on it, Chris. The Jets are the first team to lose to two teams 0 and 7 or worse in the same season. We're the only, we're the only team that can do it. The, and I'm like, and I'm like, you know, that's the Jets. And, listen, Andy Dalton. You know, the, the fiery redhead got benched last week, went out and had a good game. But the defense played the role for Cincinnati. Listen, Carlos Dunlap, shout out. Gator, listen, he had three sacks in that game. He leads the Bengals with five and a half sacks. So that's all you need to know about Cincinnati's defense. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, what, what else is there to say? He's the, listen, I can tell you that he's the first quarterback to have four games of 100 and rush yards in the history of the NFL. He's the first quarterback to do that. Justin Tucker, the most accurate kicker in NFL history. Chris, this dude, 90.6%. He's the most accurate kicker. And listen, he has 15 game winners in his eight-year career. Folks, if you don't think Baltimore's a contender, I can't help you. And, you know, Browns and Steelers, listen, I think the wrong five and seven coach got fired. Why does Freddie Kitchens have a job? Because here's the thing, Chris. He wore a, you know, Pittsburgh, he wore a Steelers started shirt. You're a coach. Why in the hell are you wearing that? You're the coach. So what? So guess what? Somebody in Pittsburgh saw that? That's motivation. And, 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 it, and they got destroyed as such. And, Chris, they haven't won in Pittsburgh since 2003. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dire straits, man. And then, you know, the Raiders are the Raiders. Listen, I'm not going to – I want to, you know – Speed it along here. Derek Carr's 0-6 at Arrowhead. So that's all. You, and Patrick Mahomes didn't have his best game. That's that's just a hard, 
hard stadium to play in. You you posted a fact about the decibel rating on the field uh, at at any given time during that game. That I've I've been I've had the pleasure of actually going to a Chiefs game a few years ago with a uh, one of my uh, employees lives in Kansas City and he's a season ticket holder. He took me to a game a few years ago. This is when Alex Smith was was at the helm and. They weren't great seats, you know. We were um, uh, first, first, second row of the of the second bowl, so we were up a little bit. Even up there, it was just deafening. I don't know how teams could call play. It's like at the swamp, man. When I was there this week, by far, I've been to some big games uh, in the swamp against Kentucky, against Tennessee, against LSU and A and M, Mississippi State, so on and so forth. Ah. Uh, this game, dude, I, my insides were shaking at, at at the sideline, and and I could you know I can almost see why Carr or any other anybody could could never win in there. It's just it is a hard hard a, a arena to play in, man. But it, you know, Carr still put on a good performance. I watched a little bit of that game, but yeah, I mean he. He's he's struggling, and 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 I think that and so a Raiders fan asked me, you know, you know, do I think Derek Carr? I don't think I think Derek Carr is going to be traded. I, I think that you know it's it's a hot take. I just think that John Gruden wanted to see what he could get and out of Derek Carr, but they're rebuilding still. Like like listen, it's a playoff push. No one expected Oakland to be there. They're going to Vegas next year. I think that a new change of pace could be in order with a lot of quarterbacks coming and John Gruden being a quote unquote quarterback guru in the same way that I'm a health guru. So, so we'll see how that works out. But I want to say this before we transition, Chris, if you don't mind. Yeah. I want to talk about the chargers and you know, I ride Phillip rivers like secretariat at the Belmont. I've ridden him a lot in the last couple of weeks. Look, I think at some point, I think Phillip Rivers is going to get benched. Because, Chris, they're 4-8. and eight. You have to start looking at his reports. That he doesn't want to be – he's going to be gone anyway. You know who their backup is in, 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 for the Chargers? I, You it's, know, that I actually don't know. It's Tyrod Taylor. Oh, you know, he he's capable. I mean – I mean, exactly. So, I'm like, well, wait a minute. If he's your backup, give him a shot to see because – Phillip Rivers is done. You know, he's lasted, you know, he's lasted as long as he could, but he's done. Yeah. And I, and I said, at the end of the day, I, I just think he's absolutely done. And I look at Anthony Lynn and I talked about Anthony Lynn coaching wise. And, and it takes me back to, to the Saints Falcons game with, with Cam Jordan. And I posted a trivia question on there. And I said that the Saints defensive end Cam Jordan had four sacks on the road against Atlanta. Thanksgiving night. He has 38 and a half sacks since 2017. Good for the third most in that time frame. Can you name the two players ahead of him? So that's your trivia question. I'll answer it at the end of the at the end of the episode. So go ahead to at Sports the World, Twitter and Instagram. And head to the page. You know, one person, our buddy Derek tried to to answer the question. I'm not gonna reveal if he's right or wrong because I won't give I, I can't give the prepare shot to everybody. Yeah, I, I you know, and plus, you know. I have sympathy for him, you know, you know, you know, it's it's Ohio. So, you know, so I still have sympathy. But 
But going back to Dan Quinn, I want to talk about the coach. Dan Quinn is 20 and 24 since 2017. Now with the Super Bowl run. Jason Garrett is 25 and 19. Anthony Lynn, the same coach, has the same record as Jason Garrett. Your guy, Adam Gase, is 17 and 27 in that time frame. And Ron Rivera is 23 and 21. My point is, is that Ron Rivera, listen, not great, but why is he still, you know, Ron Rivera lost his job. And I guarantee you, Anthony Lynn may be out of a job. Jason Garrett's going to be out of a job. Dan Quinn, all those dudes I mentioned, maybe except Adam Gase. Maybe except Adam Gase because of the improvement. But it, it goes to show you that you have to win in certain spans. It's Look at Sean Payton. Those dudes, they stay because they win. They can, they can afford a bad year and move on. And, and speaking of bad years, fantasy wise, I'm not going to talk about mine. We're not going to go that route. <laughs> we're not, we're not, we're not going there, folks. I'm just going to transition to Chris, and he's going to give you his started systems for fantasy football. Go ahead, my man. All right. Well, week 14 is upon us. This is it for most of everybody. You have neither secured your playoff spot. You have neither failed to meet the goal, and you're just saying, "Well, there's always next year." Or you're on the fringe and you've got to have the stars and the moon aligned to keep your ass where you're at. So hopefully some of these picks will uh, will do those for you. So uh, you're right. Well, I'll, I'll do quarterbacks and kind of bounce around to some other positions. Of course, your regular starters, Patrick Mahomey going to uh, New England, Lamar Jackson going to Buffalo, Deshaun Watson. Uh, some of the stronger starts that you that, you know, if you're kind of on a fringe and you need somebody. Um, you've got Carson Wentz going to the Giants. Um, you know, uh, they're getting a little bit more pass happy, so you'll have that ability. Uh, Kirk Cousins going to Detroit. Um, they can run well against Detroit, and I think they're going to open up the passing lane. Steeling's supposed to be back to full strength. Um, we're still waiting to hear what's going on with Dalvin Cook. He's, he left with a chest injury. Um, uh, James Jameis Winston with the Bucks going against uh, Indianapolis is going to be a favorable start. Um, and then uh, Jimmy Garoppolo going, believe it or not, going against the uh, the Saints. The Saints got one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Uh, you're going to have to throw to beat them. So I think there's there's going to be some options. Um, your weaker starters, guys that I'd probably put on the bench would be Josh Allen going against uh, Baltimore, Kyler Murray going against Pittsburgh, Jared Goff going against Seattle, Drew Brees going against San Francisco, uh, Matty Ice going against Carolina, uh, and then Phillip Rivers <laughs> going against Jacksonville. Uh, your trap game, uh, you can have Derek Carney that really explode for you. Uh, going against Tennessee or just completely shit the bet on you. Um, so you just be careful with that. Um, for running backs, you've got your guarantees. If Dalvin Cook plays uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Aaron Jones, Derrick Henry, Zeke, Leonard Fournette, you know, your usual suspects. Some guys to look for on the stronger side is going to be Miles Sanders for the Eagles, again, going against the Giants. <laughs> Uh, Philip Lindsay from Denver going against Houston. Um, if you have either or Sony Michelle or James White going against Casey, Casey doesn't have the best run defense, um, so you you definitely can get some some points on that. Um, 
Benny Snell from the Steelers going against Arizona. Kareem Hunt going against Cincinnati. Um, he got more snaps than Chubb last week. Um, if he got Chubb, I would be slightly worried. If Kareem Hunt, I've actually seen him available uh, in some leagues. He's just sitting in the free the 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 uh, waiver wire, just or free agency, just kind of hanging out. So take a look at him, um, and then your weaker starters. Uh, honestly, uh, Kenyon Drake and uh, and David Johnson going against Pitt. That seems like a very one-sided matchup. Um, LaShawn McCoy and Darwin Thompson going against New England. Uh, Bo Scarborough, I know I talked highly about him uh, last week, but I think uh, this week going against Minnesota. Minnesota, they kind of tripped and fell. They've had a great run defense all season. I think last week was just kind of a fluke, so I'd, I'd probably sit him. Uh, and then Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson from the Texans going against Denver. Uh, and then, of course, wideouts, all of your usual suspects, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, DJ Moore, Julian Edelman. I can go all of them. Definitely keep those guys out on the uh, on the on the watch. Uh, DK Metcalf going against C- uh, from Seattle going against L.A. That would be a very strong setup. Mike Williams from the Chargers going against Jacksonville would be a good setup. Uh, Zach Paschal from uh, Indy going to Tampa. Uh, I since uh, T.Y. Hilton's calf is, I guess, still messed up. They're they're I think they're just going to bench him safely, just to 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 prevent injury. Um, Curtis Samuel uh, from the Panthers going against Atlanta, of course. Uh, Robbie Anderson from the Jets going against Miami. He's been red hot this later part of the season with with Darnold. They've developed a very, very strong uh, chemistry on the field. So I definitely, uh, I picked him up last week as a stream, and I decided just to keep him because I started looking at his stats. And then, of course, Miami's secondary is pretty terrible. So, um, you know, that that could be a, a winning situation. Uh, Alan Lazard from, from Green Bay going against Washington. He's been Rodgers' number two receiver after Devontae Adams. So he's he's been getting a lot of playing time. He's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of looks to keep for him. Um, your questionable ones at best, uh, Debo Samuel from the 49ers. Uh, Anthony Miller from the Bears, that can go either way. Uh, James Washington from Pittsburgh. Um, OBJ, you know, maybe playing against the Bengals could finally have a breakout game. Uh, your your weak starters, I would definitely Brandon Cooks. I I think same same thing. He's just the Rams are having problems. I think uh, I think he's going to be put down. Uh, D.D. Westbrook sit him. Will Fuller sit him. Uh, Tyrell Williams from the Raiders, uh, you know, I, I would definitely give him a seat. Um, Cole Beasley from the Bills, I know we talked so highly of him just before, but going against Baltimore's defense, I would definitely uh, uh, put him down. Last but not least, I'll hit your tight ends. Uh, Greg Olson, uh, stardom, Kevin Rudolph, stardom, uh, Mike Gesinke from the Dolphins. The Jets have not had a good time guarding uh, tight ends. And Jamal Adams is out with a foot injury, so that's going to leave that that linebacker position open. 
Uh, also, Vance McDonald going to Arizona will be a good one for you. Uh, if you have these tight ends, put them on the bench. O.J. Howard, Jacob Hollister, Mark Andrews, uh, Caden Smith. And, you know, that's really what I all I got left for uh, for this week. So good luck. And uh, hopefully you're in a position like I am, second place. All I got to do is uh, yeah, win boy. this game, and I walk into uh, – the the playoffs in a second seed position coming from fifth it's a great day and um what about you ladarius how's your uh, how's your playoff dreams looking you know chris that's a great question <laughs> i i went i went walking and i went walking by a cliff and i contemplated jumping or sitting at the edge and, and I say because really both you know at least if I jump, at least I have a chance of surviving. But if I just sit on the cliff and I fall, then I don't have no awareness and I'm done. Well, you know, listen, I benched Kenny. I I benched Kenny Galladay, and that cost me. And right now I'm just I'm like Titanic in the iceberg. The difference is I'm trying to be the captain. Who's going to actually go, you know, listen, I'm not going down with this ship. I'm trying to go out trying to fix this ship because look, I, that's why I said, you know, I call I call him Belichick. I met Chris here. L- listen, I, I will take the onus of, listen, the back end of my schedule has not been great. And it goes to show you that ebbs and flows of the season, just like regular teams, but I can take solace that I'll have more wins than my Falcons. I'll have more wins than the bank. I could take solace in it. <laughs> doesn't mean that doesn't mean I sleep easier, but I take solace in it. But you know, I'm facing CJ this week, and that's once again, that's right now I'm in a position where I could fall to fifth, or you know, I you know, and I'm at the position where you know I, I put two, I put the last couple of losses on me because I benched the wrong people. Because you don't, ex- I didn't expect Kenny Galladay to do that against the Bears secondary. I did, because I figured, well, he's their best receiver; they'd stop him. And I guess he ate some of that. You know, he ate the non-tryptophan turkey and had a great game. And so I, I take a lot of onus for that. So at the end of the day, you know, my biggest thing is that I go into it confident. Because if I go in scared, you know, because like Chris over here. Jaws over here, you know, he sees my blood, CJ's blood, Steven, he sees all our blood in the water, and there he is right there. Which is why I do not go fishing with this man. So, because look, because folks, if you see Chris, if you see him near the water, and this goes for you up north, if you see Chris anywhere near your local water, steer clear. That's all I'm saying. Get out. You know, yeah. the- the craziest thing is, if you look at our league, you were in first place until about, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, three weeks ago, yeah. And then you kind of just went tumbling. You have the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth place all at eight and five. And then you've got your guys at, like, seventh and eighth and seven and six, and then it just kind of falls off the hill from there. Um, but you've got this this big of a gap between uh you know the the first place person uh matt and then the rest of us because he's sitting at 11 and 2 and the rest of us are in eight and five but you know one of the biggest things i always look at 
um, is so you you in Yahoo you get your schedule before you get your team. So you get your schedule as soon as all of the teams are published and your league is finalized before you enter the draft. That's when the schedule drops. So if you didn't know that and you play on Yahoo, well, there you go. I just gave you some knowledge. That's so I I plan when I draft, I plan on multiple variables. Variable number one is of course like you know good players. Where where am I sitting in the draft? Who could I get the best bang for the buck at that time? Number two, I look at is how many people can I get with the same bye week off? To where if I have to tank a week and I have to give up a loss, could I do it in one week where everyone's not home? I catch the L, life goes on, I come back, and now everyone's all on my roster has already had a bye week, and I'm good for the rest of the season. Third thing is you got to look at your schedule. And it doesn't help if, and you can't do this if you're playing in a random league or if you are playing and you don't know the people. See, all of us have been playing together for a number of years. I kind of know how you guys think. And it's, 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 like, uh, it's like poker. You're not playing your hand. You're playing the person sitting across from you. So I looked at my schedule, and I saw the first half of my schedule is, it was the hard part. And that was the most miserable and I started off 0-3. I was to the point where week four, if I would have got caught a loss, I was going to put every single player up for sale, tank my team, be the Bengals, have a one-win team, and get a first-round draft pick next year and and start from scratch. But then, well, shit, I started winning. I went on a five-game streak. I dropped a couple games I shouldn't have, and I came back. And, you know, here I'm sitting at 8-5, and five, you know, getting ready to push into the playoffs. But that's that's one of the keys to success is if you can find your look at your schedule and you know the people, you know how they're going to play, you know their draft ideas or if they're good or if they're not, you can kind of use that to determine, hey, this is what maybe I should do. And uh, I survived the, the, that brutal first part of the season. The first seven games of my season were probably the worst. Uh, the back seven, uh, statistically, I've played against people that have had losing records. So that's kind of helped me, but I've also put all of my people, all my people are on a bye week, week 10. Week 10, I had a couple go week 11 because you always can't have everyone go at once. But if you can contain your bye weeks into a minimal set and sacrifice a one, maybe two loss because of it, instead of multiple losses, you're going to be in a better position. So that, that's... That's my my pearls of wisdom. Um, hopefully they work for you. If not, don't blame me. Um, and sucks to suck. You know, boy. I mean, listen, you're a smart dude, and everything you said was just fantastic. My thing is, for those out there who walk by a cliff, here's some advice. Don't jump. Just stare at it. Because now if you lose this week, then invest in a parachute. That that's all I'm going to say. It's just because at this point, you know, I, like I said, you had the best draft. So I said, I said he's going to probably catch on on the back half of the season because you had the best draft. And I'm like, well, like you say, your schedule matters. I think we talk about that a lot. Who you pl- your scheduling matters, and I think I think you were in a couple of unlucky matchups because. You were in some high-scoring games, 
and you just came up on the wrong end a couple of times. And and that happens just you on the other side of the coin. So on the back end, I said he's gonna catch some breaks on the back end because I figured either me or CJ were going to slip. Come to find out it was, it was both of us. But but that's the beauty of fantasy football. That's the beauty of sports, is where you're in first place today, and boy, you could be you could be where I am trying to figure out are you gonna be a four or five or six seed and 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 I think that's the beauty of it. That's the joys in the like you know the old ABC Y Water Sports thing was you know the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. That's where I am. It's the agony of these defeats because if I just would have won two of these games, I probably would have secured a very good playoff spot. Yeah. But but once again, you know, I don't blame. Listen, I don't blame the musician. I blame. I don't blame the instruments. I blame the musician, and that's me. But but speaking of things not to blame, and these go up the Florida State fans. And we know a couple of them, so so we're not go- we're not going to blame them for what happened to them. I felt I felt Chris what happened to them was a crime, and and I feel I feel somebody should be you know, you know I know like civil law, but it, it was very criminal. I enjoyed every second of that game. I enjoyed the obnoxious fans walking around. So I. So we we got to Gainesville. I went there with a couple buddies. Um, we had some great tickets. So we sat on the West Ten, uh, right right in front of the cheerleaders. So I had some good views there. Uh, and we were at the ten yard line. So anytime that the ball was there, we had awesome seats, front row. Uh, like I said, I was on uh, I was on ESPN on a couple clips. So that was actually kind of cool. It was the one where. Um, I think it was where Swaim, where they, they thought he stepped out of bounds, but there was like, you know, a good chunk of grass in between him and the line. Um, one of the freeze frames, like you, you see my drunk ass hooting and hollering, and uh, and then you see him getting ready to run it in. But uh, we got into Gainesville early afternoon. Uh, I went to the mall, get some new clothing for the game, so I can christen some new apparel on a on a on a win, and then. Uh, we went walking around University and around Ben Hill Griffin. And, and if you've never been to a UF game, do yourself a favor and go. There, It's a fun atmosphere. Even if you're not a Gators fan, it's just a fun atmosphere. They've got food trucks. They've got the bars are open, great restaurants, uh, just a crowd walk in the street. When you add a rivalry game into it, like, uh, like Florida State, man. <laughs> Man, that the 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 Florida State fans were there in flocks, and they were very confident that they thought that they could win. So they were chirping pretty loud uh, out on the street and walking around and doing their their chant. You know, I don't want to make too fun of them because I kind of mean, but you know, you can see where I'm going with that. Um, but all in all, from kickoff to the final whistle was just it showed the dominance of 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 who daddy is in the state of florida uh it just showed the the talent that we have on hand uh we're going to be a little short at receiver because it was senior night so it was nice to see some seniors uh reel in some touchdowns um you know most of our receiver core is is senior class so that sucks but you know we can always rebuild um, but Kyle Trask just went out there. He played an outright phenomenal game. 
Uh, that's literally the only game that I can comment on this week since I was there. I didn't have a chance to watch a lot of the other games. I got to see the ending of the Bama Auburn game um, uh, at one of the street parties. They had it up on a jumbotron, so that was that was fairly nice to see. But um, you know, Kyle Trask. I mean, thirty for forty-one, three hundred and forty-three yards, three touchdowns. This kid's throwing at least two touchdowns a game. You know, I mean, Emory Jones threw a touchdown. Uh, you know, we got to see Emory Jones out there rushing. We got to see, uh, uh, you know, Kadarius Tony get some receiving yards. Freddie Swain get some receiving yards. Van Jefferson get some receiving yards. Um, it, it, as the song goes, it's just great to be a Florida Gator, man. It, it was, uh, it was just an outright blasting uh fsu's got some work they got to do um they've got some definitely some defense issues discipline is a, is a major issue um th- there was actually a player that the one of the cops the gainesville police had to step in um and i can't remember his number but you know of course the fans are taunting him but when you're a student athlete you're kind of held to a higher standard and we're all gator chomping and screaming go gators and this and that and uh, he he started yelling at some chick in the crowd, like, oh, fuck you, and this. I'm like, wow, like, come on. And then one of the Gainesville cops actually was like, hey, like, you need to get back on the field, bud. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it, all in all, it was I could I could just talk about that game from sun up to sundown. But, yeah, it, A, it was joyous to watch Florida State lose, let them understand that we're still the number one team in Florida. We're still the better team. We still have more wins than you, and it sucks to suck. It sucks to suck that it does. And, you know, I saw the game, and, and folks, you know, here's the reality. I'm not going to sit here and say this is going to be like Ohio State and Michigan, but I get the vibe, Chris, and that I think, well, I think we can speak objectively because a lot of people, I'm not going to use specific names, think that we're very, very biased. But I think that this Florida-Florida State rivalry could look a lot like Ohio State-Michigan in terms of talent. In terms of, for the next decade, you could just see dominance. And and I think that with Florida State, I think what I saw, look, it, it clearly showed the talent was, listen, we had better talent. Jonathan Grenard had a hell of a football game. And it goes to show that Listen, I didn't hear nobody talk about Grantham. Nobody talked about its rivalry. I say, at the end of the day, we went out there and did what we were supposed to do. And as for Florida State fans, you know, as, as I say, FS who fans, is that as in who in the world are they going to play in a bowl game? I think I don't think they have the the uh, the tiny bowl. I don't think they have that bowl game anymore. I think they used to, but but my point is, Chris, is that. The, the talent. And I think that and my question to pose to you is, is that do you potentially see this Florida, Florida state rivalry looking a lot like Ohio state, Michigan in the next couple of years? Yeah. The next couple of years, I, I think we're definitely going to have it in the bag. Florida's on the up and up new coach that understands the playbook that ran the playbook that has won two national championships with a playbook and is 20 and five in his first two seasons with that playbook. Um, 
that speaks for itself right there. We've we've finished now. This is the second year in a row, I think, that we've cracked the top ten uh, with with Dan Mullen, and we're doing it with a backup quarterback. That literally has been a backup quarterback his entire life. Um, it just shows you the the depth that we have, uh, you know, at at that position and on, on both sides of the ball, offense, defense. Grantham's been killing it on defense. We dropped a couple games that I think we shouldn't have this season, but it's inevitable, I think. Um, but, yeah, with, in regards to Florida State, it's going to take some time for them to get better. I know recruits were not thrilled with Willie Taggart being there and then watching the program just get completely it, – it's a sheer miracle that they're honestly even 6-6 six and six at this point. Um, you know, so good for them on that, but – they might be okay in the ACC for a couple years to to stay at that 500 ball club average, but I think with us we're gonna pad a, pad some stats and put a few extra wins in our column to uh, to keep to keep uh, to keep us the strongest team in Florida. Absolutely, and you know I, I think I think you said it well. I think the recruiting matters, the coaching matters, and Florida checks the boxes. And speaking of things that check the box, Chris, I know you didn't get a chance to watch. Ohio State, Michigan, but there was also a crime that happened in Michigan as well. And I think the spirit of Michigan was robbed that game on Saturday. It was, there was not a lot of, it, it, it was it was very quiet. Yeah, it, I mean, and, and like I said, credit's given or credit's due. So shout out for Ohio State actually going in and playing a ranked opponent and, and beating a ranked opponent as such. Um, that That's... That's my biggest problem with Ohio State is that they get this big reputation for for being oh so great, but then we've seen them when you line them up against competitive teams, they they fall short. And uh, I I think this year, you know, I I they definitely if if they pull off their uh, their win against, they're playing what Wisconsin for the Big Ten championship. Uh huh. They beat them. Uh, you know, they definitely deserve their, uh, their playoff spot. I don't, again, I, I am a very firm believer that I don't think they deserve number one. Um, LSU beat three, one, two, three top 10 ranked teams and somehow is number two. I mean, they beat Florida, they beat Auburn, they beat Alabama. I think either one of those teams could easily walk in and, and completely shit wreck the, the big 10. Um, and if, if Ohio played three top 10 ranked teams, I don't think they would be undefeated. Um, and again, I'm not just being biased. I'm just, just stating facts. Um, but they did just put an hour, a massacre on Michigan. Um, I, has, has old khakis, has he ever beat Ohio state? Uh, let me check my paper. No, he hasn't. Oof. <laughs> like I say, they haven't. Folks, listen. The la- I think I said this last week on the show. About the last time they actually beat them. The last win they had against Ohio State was 2011. It's it's that bad. And And speaking of old khakis. You know, Ohio State won. You know, I'm not going to read the stats. I'm not going to bore you with stats because you can. I just want to give you a quote, Chris, that epitomizes this game. And it was at the post game. 
And when I read it, I said, I know Chris will uh, will appreciate it. So after the game, Jim Harbaugh was asked if the difference between the teams was talent, preparation, or coaching. So you know what old Khaki said? <laughs> old Khaki says, I'll answer your questions, but not your insults. And, <laughs> and, and I mean, it's a fair, I think, Chris, it's a fair question. Yeah. It, it's it's a fair listen. You know, reporters get a lot of flack for asking. This was a legitimate question, Chris. When you're getting spanked by the same team, you know, every year, it's like you gotta answer the questions because at the end of the day, Ohio State doesn't know what it feels like to lose to at this long of a streak since the '80s. Like yeah. I give I give Ohio State a lot of flack. But I give them, but this season, I, I give them the respect. Listen, they put, they hung up another five spot on another team. Listen, that's Penn State. Listen, they beat the best team the Big Ten could offer. They beat Wisconsin, they beat Penn State, and they beat Michigan. And if I'm Michigan, and right now, if I'm Michigan, even though, even though Michigan right now is nine and three, I think Harbaugh is going to the NFL. I, I, I think. I still stick to my guns on that simply because of the fact that I think he's done. I think yeah, Chris. Well, he, like I said, there, there are some coaches who are good at raising players and developing players. And then there are some coaches that are good with produced talent. Um, being a college coach and being an NFL coach are, are two very, you know, the NFL, you're not going out and recruiting the NFL you have literally the cream of the crop that you get to watch their work, excuse me, their workouts, how fast they can run, how much they can lift, how high they can jump. You have literally a week-long science experiment to say, I want that guy. And then you can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I want you. Now, I don't, and I might be wrong, and, and if I am, tell me, I don't think there's ever been a player that's been drafted onto an NFL team that said no. Uh, you're right about that. How many kids have been offered scholarships by programs and have said no? And you are, instead of watching these guys at a combine, are going to their house and taking their parents out to dinner and bringing them into the stadiums and letting them hang out on the sidelines and go in the locker rooms and, and see what it's like to play that division. I just, I don't think Harborough is that he's not a coddling guy. He is a down to business. Like this is how it is. This is the program I'm going to run. This is the playbook I'm going to use. And that's it. Come to class prepared. I, I think what he is, he's the difference between a college professor and a high school teacher is a high school teacher will kind of inspire you and all oh, the Darius, you know, you really should turn your homework in on time and you really should try harder. A college professor is like, dude, I don't give a flying fuck. You just paid 20,000 bucks and your stupid ass is going to come in here and sleep after class. God bless you. I'm still getting paid. Exactly. And I, and I think that's how it is with, with Harborough is that he's not cut for college. He doesn't have like the polish that like a Nick Saban has or an Urban Meyer or a Dan Mullen or a Joe Paterno or any, any successful college coach, he's successful in the NFL and maybe, yeah, I, I think that's, he just needs to go back and, and hang out there. Yeah. And you know, 
before I move on to Auburn, Alabama, I think it goes back to your point, Chris. You know, because I had a professor who had the same mentality, a college professor, when I was getting my my degree. And that's what he said, Chris. I remember walking to the classroom, Chris, and there's supposed to be about 20 of us in there. Guess how many people showed up? Ten. Well, I would say five. And he sat there, and I'll never forget it. And he said that, listen, I don't get paid by the student. I get paid whether there's five of you or 50 of you. And and, and that speaks to your point. It's just that, that I think Harbaugh is in a position where when he, was at, when he was at San Diego State, that he went to Stanford. I think the minute he went to San Francisco, Chris, he just wanted to go. He wanted to stay in the NFL. But unfortunately, whatever happened in San Francisco happened. He took the Michigan job. And he got, I think he's maxed out. He's maxed out. A lot of dudes have lost their jobs. Chris, Lloyd Carr, the great coach, he basically let he couldn't beat Michigan. Remember Rich Rodriguez? Yeah, he used to coach Michigan. And and Brady Hoke, he, and now Jim, this is the fourth coach Michigan has had that could not beat Ohio State. Yeah. And I tell you, at the end of the day, Oh, it's his dream job. But listen, I don't care what your dreams are. You're if you're not checking the boxes, listen, you're gonna lose that dream job. Because at the end of the day, it's great that you're there. I guarantee you, if Spurrier wouldn't have beat Florida State, would he still be the coach of Florida? Like, listen, he could have he's had great seasons. But if, if he didn't beat Florida State a lot of those years, we could argue that his legacy would be different. Your legacy is based on rivalry for the most part. And and speaking of which, that transitions right into what I want to talk about with Alabama and Auburn. Now, Chris, that was it was a hell of a football game. It it really it really boiled down to it boiled down to a number of things. I got to watch about like the last five minutes of it before I went through security at the stadium and that that just that that last five minutes was just a shit show, and and it was it was the best three to five minutes of football I've seen, and once again, Alabama loses because of a field goal, and Nick Saban was physically pissed, and and I think Chris, I think correct me if I'm wrong, I said this weeks ago that this is not the same Alabama team. No, no, you can definitely tell it's not. And, and I think I think I said that a couple of weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. And that was even with a healthy Tua. I said, this is just not the same Alabama team because Alabama was too reliant on Tua. And if Tua was in this game, they would have won. I have no doubt about that. Because the reality is, is that that defense is not the same from Alabama. Listen, listen, Alabama reloads. Just like you talked about with Florida. It's about reloading. Alabama had to reload. They lost a lot of first-round picks. And you got to – Clemson had the same problem. Good teams have those problems. Alabama's as great as Nick Saban is, they couldn't get it done. And and I say at the end of the day, I just look around and go, you know, Alabama's a two loss team now. It's and you're looking Alabama plummeted to twelve for some godforsaken reason in the uh in the recent college football playoff poll, which I, I'm not gonna get into that until we get there. But the point is this, Chris, is that when you look at the numbers, when you look at the numbers of this football game, listen, Mac Jones did have a terrible game, 26 to 39, 
325 yards, four touchdowns. He threw two interceptions, and one of those was a pick six. So we got to factor in that it just wasn't the kicking game. You know, that pick six hurt him. And Bo Nix, and I think we, we both talked about Bo Nix. Bo Nix didn't have a terrible game, 15 to 30. Listen, 173 yards and a touchdown. Listen, Jatarvius Whitlow for for Auburn, listen, 16 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown. Auburn's defense, listen, and listen, they got kicked around, but at the end of the day, they did enough. And this and more importantly, Chris, their special teams did enough. Yep. And that's the Achilles in this rivalry, Chris. I think we talked about it when Auburn with Alabama played LSU. Special teams becomes the play because we know how great offensively and defensively these teams are. We know what they are because we're at the crux of the season. Alabama's kicking game is bad. Yeah. You know, that and that's something that I think a lot of people take for granted is uh you know, is is kickers. Uh if you remember with the Gators during the Will Muschamp era, um we definitely were we were in a little bit of a rut, you know, because all of our stars, Brandon Spikes and Tim Tebow and Percy Harvin and you know, all these NFL greats went on to, to play pro ball. Um, we were left on a little bit of a lull with a lot of the juniors coming uh, you know, coming up and, and doing their thing. Uh, but we just did not focus on a kicker. I think we even had we had open tryouts for a kicker. Mm-hmm. And I think we got someone in like the dental program that used to play soccer in high school that somehow became our kicker, you know, and especially now that so many games have been decided on field goals, you would think that coaches have uh, would, would take more of a, of an approach to, to getting and securing good kickers. But I guess when you're in Alabama shoes and you're just used to blowing the doors off of, to teams where you don't need a kicker, you don't think about it, but you know, they kickers are like a good pitching wedge in a golf bag that if you're in a jam and you need consistency, like, like my pitching wedge in my bag, I know that I can hit that thing a hundred yards and I can put spin on it. I can put draw on it. I can aim that fucking ball wherever I want it to go, wherever I need it to go. That is how you have to feel with your kicker is that at any time you get him in, in his range that you know that he's comfortable at hitting, that that dude can bang one for you. And if you don't have that, you're at risk of losing a game. Absolutely. And you see it in the NFL. You, you see a lot of games. You've seen a lot of games. And look at how bad the Bears' kicking game was. Look how bad it was. We I think we undervalued the kicking position. And look, Baltimore has been great. Justin Tucker, 90.6% accuracy. And he won them the football game. It's it's what I always say. I use baseball because I love baseball. Baseball, I've always said, is my first love. When I think of baseball, I think of like I, I think of teams like I think of Mariano Rivera, because I think of great closers. Because if no matter if you were Joe Torre or if you were Joe Girardi, you knew if you had a one run lead, two to one, three to two, whatever, you can get forty two out of the bullpen, and. And there's a 98% chance he's going to win you that game. Yep. If you take away that 2001 World Series, he gave up that hit to Luis Gonzalez. Mariner Rivera, Chris, more men have walked on the moon than Mariner Rivera has allowed runs. Yeah. 
I say that's the point I make about kicking. The kicking's the same way. If you have something on that back end when you're in a close game and you need those yards, Alabama, I think Alabama just think that with Alabama, we don't need a kicker and it showed and they got exposed. And I say at the end of the day, where will, you know, I don't think it's the worst situation in the world for Alabama. I think it works. I think Nick Saban can show this tape to his kids. And whoever they play in the bowl game, God bless them, because they're gonna get the doors blown off of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because I think this is a this is a learning tape. This is this is a learning tape where you got to show these kids like, listen, we can't be losing like that. Yeah. And and I think you show it to that kicker, and he wrote an open letter, and that's fine. But the reality is, is that when you like with your pitching wedge, and with that bullpen, we do, we 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 those are sure things. And when you don't have a great kicker or you don't have a great wedge, guess what happens? Your golf get you're gonna lose. I don't care if you're down. You could be you could be even par going to the final hole. You're like, oh crap, where's my wedge? The other guy has it. He or she has a great wedge. You're like, oh, I'm screwed. You already know before you even tee off, you're gonna be terrible. And that's the way with the kicking game. If it goes close, you're like, oh crap. And, and speaking of things where I said, you know, oh crap, listen, I've been giving Oklahoma a lot of flack. But Oklahoma beat, you know, their rivalry game. They won. And and w- w- what I will walk away with is this. Oklahoma's in a position where they could sneak into the playoff because, you know, we could sneak in playoff talk in here as well. I just don't think Georgia – listen, listen, it'll figure itself out Saturday. But I look at who you lose to, and listen, who they both lost to weren't great losses. They were terrible. But if you had to give me a lesser two evils theory, I think the loss to Kansas State's better because they're more of a bold they're they're more of a bold team than South Carolina is. And and I look at that and I go, that's fine, but I also look at the Jalen Hurts factor. Yeah. I said Jalen Hurts is a hell of a better quarterback than Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm has gotten by because of that defense. And this is why I say when I rank my quarterbacks in about two weeks, I'm gonna talk about why I don't think Jake Fromm should be as high on people's boards as they should be. Because he's gotten by with a great defense. I could argue Joe Burrow has been the Joe Burrow show. It's, it's been him. There's been games where LSU's defense just wasn't there, but Joe Burrow's arm was. But, and then shout out to Wisconsin and Minnesota. Listen, I expected Wisconsin to go in there and beat Minnesota. The wheels are falling off. You know, I think the saying in Minnesota is whether, you know, like I think it's row the boat. Well, that boat's sinking in Minnesota. Because, I, you know, if... This is the same school. Listen, hey, we lost to – listen, hey, we beat Penn State, but we lost to Iowa. Now you lose to, to Wisconsin. And, you know, I'm, you know, God forbid, people may not like it, but I'm agree with you here, Chris, with the Big Ten in that regard. That's a lot of parity. And, and that's why I say – and that's why I stuck with Ohio State as the best team in the conference because, listen, they're consistent. Like, their schedule may not be consistent, but they're consistent, and they're blowing the doors off of people. You know, Jonathan Taylor, that guy's going to be in New York. If that guy is not in New York at the Heisman Trophy ceremony, then I don't know what justice is because he's been Wisconsin's offense. He's He's been the anchor of that offense. And everybody – listen, Chris, they can put eight dudes in a box and they still can't stop him. That's like – I haven't heard something like that since Adrian Peterson, Barry Sanders like. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, it, it – uh... They they play good for their conference that they're in. I'll, I'll definitely agree that they're hands down the best team in the Big Ten. Um, I'll I'll give them that much. But 
um, you know, let him come in the playoffs and and just let let it work itself out. And and and, and speaking of things letting it work itself out, let's talk about let's talk about week fifteen, aka conference championship week. Is is there specific? Are there a specific set of games conference wise that you're looking at and going, that's a must watch or this is pivotal? Uh literally the most important conference title game is is the SEC. Um, that the SEC everything in college football revolves around it as much as as uh, other people hate it. They're they're the overall best conference. ESPN released a power factor. Uh, yesterday, stating that the 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 power conference, you know, uh, was the SEC, the Big Ten, uh, the Big Twelve, the ACC, and the Pac Twelve. I think was the uh, the rankings for the Power Five. Um, you've got two SEC teams in the playoffs, and then you have a Big Ten and a uh, ACC. Um, I think the LSU-Georgia game is going to be a very, very pivotal game. Uh, if if Georgia wins, I think then both teams will be in the playoffs. If LSU wins, I think that might knock off uh, Georgia and put like a Utah in if, if Utah wins their title. There's still some room for maneuvering there. Who knows? Um, you've got... Uh, the ACC championship with Clemson and Virginia. I think Clemson's just going to blow the doors off of off of Virginia. I think the the Georgia LSU game will be close. I think it'll be within a touchdown, um, but I think LSU is going to be the winner of that. LSU just has an overall better team, offense and defense. Um, Georgia when they play, I think definitely, and I know it's biased. We should be sitting in Georgia's position. The referees helped out Georgia a lot at the start of that game. And I think that that ruined the momentum and the mindset of Florida. Um, and then, of course, our defense just didn't show up. But I think defense possibly didn't show up because of the lack of, uh, uh, of, of morale, courtesy of the refs, from the opening, opening plays of the game. Um, I think that... Ohio State will beat uh, Wisconsin. I don't think it'll be a blowout like their first meeting this season, but I think it will be um, a little bit, um, a little bit closer. I still think Ohio State wins, uh, which will secure their playoff spot. So you'll have Ohio State, uh, you'll have LSU, Ohio, Clemson, and then that fourth spot will be the determine. Um, you've got. Um, for the AAC conference, you got Memphis and uh, Cincinnati, um, which, you know, cool. The minor league teams, I guess, are playing. We'll talk about that. The Big 12 is going to be Oklahoma and Baylor. That, I think, is going to be a very important game to watch. Um, this, If Oklahoma wins, this could alter the playoffs. Um, and if then you got Utah and Oregon, you got Utah at five, Oregon at 13. Um, I think Oregon actually pulls the upset. I, again, I think Utah is one of those teams that they're ranked high, but who have they played? That's a good point. You know, they had the, yes, they're, they're undefeated in the pack 12, 
But if you take LeBron James and put him in the NBA D League, I bet you he would probably bring that team undefeated as well. Um, again, it's just it's the, that strength of schedule that I think allows some of these teams to slither in where they don't belong. Um, even though they're undefeated, uh, there are teams with one loss or two losses that I think are significantly better programs. Um, but we'll see what happens. I think Oregon on the upset on that. Oregon's at least got experience in playing in big games. Utah, not so much. Um, other than that, I mean, th- those are the real important ones. That, you know, just the Power Five conferences that that uh, that I covered. Uh, but like, I, I think the game of most relevance this week is going to be the LSU Georgia game. And yeah, you know what? You're right. And I think I'm not going to really push back on some of your picks. <sighs> I think the only one that I would kind of semi push back on is Utah and Oregon. And and I understand, you know, with Oregon, Oregon's defense, if you take away that Arizona State game, that was a terrible, terrible loss. Let's be clear. Arizona State offensively all season long, that was their best game hands down. But I look at this Utah team, Utah, it, I don't want I don't want to get listen, don't. At me, you know, don't go to at Sports World on Twitter and Instagram or the Facebook page, you know, and jump at me when I say this is that Utah, if I had to pick a school that's kind of built the most like a legit team, like a built like a SEC like team, it's Utah. They play defense. And yeah, like, thank you. I'll give them that. And like, and like, like I said, their schedule may not reflect that, but Kyle Whittingham has built that program sound defensively. Tyler Huntley, listen. He listen. He's no Joe Burrow. He's no Jalen Hurts. That's a very good team as a whole. I think Oregon got exposed a lot against Arizona State. That just said, listen, just it's a, maybe an aberration, but I'm I'm going to stick with Utah. But the game that I'm looking at besides the SEC championship game is the big. I'm looking at the Big Ten championship. Is Baylor at Oklahoma now? For the record, remember remember that time where I picked Baylor to beat Oklahoma. I remember Bailey, Baylor made, made me look like the girl who stood who got stood up for prom. That's how Baylor made me look a couple of weeks ago. You know what, Chris? I'm going to go with Baylor again. Really? I, and listen, and you heard me talk about all the great things about Oklahoma, right? And But this Baylor team, once again, it's at a – my thing is that first and foremost – it's at a neutral site, neutral site game in Arlington, but I, at the end of the day, Chris, I look at the way Oklahoma has played defensively the last couple of weeks. They can be beaten. It's just a matter of can the other team just finish the job. And well, that's, that's the thing is that Baylor they had what a twenty-eight to three lead. They, they yeah. had they had the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, they got falconed. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I I think the. With this game, I think why Oklahoma wins is because of Jalen Hurts. He's a national title winning quarterback. He's played in these big, high pressure games. He has the experience to know how to handle the crowd noise, the anxiety, the pressure. And he has the leadership and game management capability for his players to say, all right, hey, look, I've been here on a much bigger stage. This isn't shit. We can do this. We've already beaten. We came back and beat them once, so why not have that same force from the green light? We just stomp on the gas and don't let up until we're on empty. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I think that one, I, I know you're going to go with Baylor, but I think you might get stood up for prom again on that one, bud. Well, well, you know, listen, the last time I didn't, but there was a limo last time, but I made sure, you know, I, it, it's a, like I say, I could be, but I just feel at some point, you can only, this is what I say about Georgia. Georgia has gotten by the last, and I don't know if you agree, they've gotten by the last couple of weeks because the, because apparently defenses can't stop them on third down. If, if, if I go back to that Florida game, and even with that bad call, which I didn't know that was a catch, I had to ask somebody what a catch was. I, mean, I had to ask somebody, excuse me, do you know what a catch is? If you take away that, I had, listen, if Florida stops them on two of those third downs, that's an extra possession, and we could drive down and win that game. But it's about stopping them on third down. I think LSU is going to quickly remind them, listen, this is why we're the, this is why we're the best team in the country. And once again, I'm not going to push back on Ohio State. I think as great as Wisconsin is, they got spanked by Ohio State for a reason. I think they realized that their offense runs through Jonathan Taylor, and it's 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 the Bill Belichick's it's the Bill Belichick way. Bill Belichick always takes away your best player, and but the last two weeks, you know, New England hasn't been doing that. But for the most part, you take away a team's best weapon, and you force somebody else to beat you, and they're going to force Jack Cohn to be in the quarterback. And and for those who didn't know, people didn't know who that was the quarterback because that's how Jonathan Taylor is to the offense. And and Virginia and Clemson, listen. Chris, I think we should send the National Guard down there and we should, you know, we should alert because the game's being played in North Carolina. We should call the North Carolina police the state because, Chris, it's going to be a beating. Yeah, it's going to be, there's going to be a homicide on the field. It's going to be multiple homicides. And I'm like, listen, and I know, you know, you know, who, you know, Hootie Blofit, he's a, he's a Gamecock fan, but I'm going to use one of his songs like Let Her Cry, Alabama, Virginia's going to be crying. And they're gonna be crying. They're gonna be crying all. That game's gonna be over by the half. It's like just let her cry, just let Virginia cry because it's gonna be over. And, and you know, and one last day before we head toward the end of this great episode is is that is you know just to talk about briefly about the SEC. Listen, real quick. Once again, I think that to the college football playoff, I think that if everything falls into order. If Georgia loses, Chris, I do believe the winner of the Big Ten championship will be the fourth seed. Simply because I'm not – listen, I talked about their schedule, the strength of schedule, and their SRS, simple rating system. Listen, if you take away that Kansas State game, Oklahoma's been playing great. With Utah, I boost Utah up, but the committee – the committee. if you look at how the, the, the Pac-10 team, the Pac-12 teams are ranked in the college football playoff, they don't believe in the Pac-12. And I think that the only reason why Utah is there is because they're the best out of a bunch. That's pretty much it. And if Oregon wouldn't have lost to Arizona State, then you, I could also say that that could be a potential. But at the end of the day, Chris, I think that the winner of that Baylor-Oklahoma game, because I do believe, and you say it, and you say it all the time, and I'll just back up what you say, winning your conference matters. I can't, I can't in good faith put a team like a – like who's a one? I can't put like any of that Cincinnati and Memphis. I can't put the winner of that game ahead because let's face the facts: who they played, like you know, who they played to to elevate them, and more importantly, I think that Oklahoma, the way they've been playing up to that Kansas State game, consistently. So I would say the winner of that game, I think 
gets the better shovel. If Georgia somehow wins, I think the same four teams stay, but maybe in different positions. Yeah, absolutely. I I don't I don't think Georgia wins. I think LSU. Uh, like I said, I think LSU beats him. Um, I I want to see Ohio State lose, but I don't think they will. Um, there, Wisconsin's another one of those programs that I think is very overrated. Um, yeah, they can beat up on Indiana and Northwestern and and Madison Community College and whatever else. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, Ohio State does the same thing, but they at least can can put a wall up on fellow turds in their conference. Um, so I think they stay. Of course, Clemson's going to blow the doors off of them. Uh, I think with Georgia losing, Oklahoma wins. Oklahoma sneaks in. Um, I don't see, again, I don't see the Pac-12. You know, the problem is, you look at the last time the Pac-12 got put in the playoffs, they played Ohio State, and Ohio State blew the fucking doors off of them. Mm-hmm. It was like 48 to 20 years or somewhere. And, and again, credit's given or credit's due. Ohio State did what they were supposed to do. Um, you know, that was one of those games that if the field could have caught on fire and it and they both could have lost, I would have been happy with that. Because those are two teams that I, I think that are just so overrated. Oregon more so than uh, – than, oh, because Ohio State, I'll at least give them where they've won titles, they've won championships. You know, Oregon has as many na- uh, uh, national titles as I do, which is zero. Um, and that mimics, and that's why they have a big O for their emblem. If you look at Oregon, it's a giant O for that's how many trophies they've won. Um, so they should probably just stick to their fancy uniforms and they're really good at that. They have, uh, awesome, cool, cute, cuddly uniforms, but outside of that, they're, they're a pretty useless program. Yeah. I think I, I could argue that flat it's, I put it like this. It's, it's the one person we both know that one person who wears a lot of flashy things. You know they have a lot of style, but they have zero substance. And I think we we I think we know one, maybe not mutually, but we know that one person we've encountered that one person. Oh, they're very stylish, and he or she is very stylish, very ah, oh, very chic. But Chris, when you talk to them and you actually know them, you're like, God, they have no substance. Yeah, like it's like there's nothing there. Like, like they they that's Oregon. That's Oregon. Great uniforms. You know, they got Donald Duck's cousin as the mascot. And, you know, I'm surprised Disney's not harping on that lawsuit. But I'm not a, I'm not in I'm not in criminal I'm not in copyright law. But the point is is that that that's Oregon in a nutshell. And speaking of things in a nutshell, before we go, uh, do you have a fact for us, Chris? You know what? This week I don't have a fact because I because I figured you were gonna do your trivia. So uh, I was just going to leave my fact out, but just remind everyone that Epstein didn't kill himself afterwards, but I already threw it in there, so. There you go. And and I'll, I'll try to do these every once in a while. I'll try to do it every week, but I'll try to do it just to, to get curiosity. So I said at the beginning of the, of the episode, my question was that Saints defensive end Cam Jordan had four sacks on the road versus Atlanta Thanksgiving night. He has 38 and a half sacks since 2017. That's good for the third most in that time frame. Can you name the two players ahead of him? So, so Chris, do you have any indication? You know, that one, I don't. I I pondered, and I didn't want to get on Google 
and I could not ponder it. So I'm going to abstain my vote on this one <laughs> and uh, and try again next time. Okay. And I tell people, I was thinking about giving this hint, but I felt would have gave it away. I said, because I felt they would have got one of them. I said, well, both of these players both play in the same division. And, and if I gave the division, I think you would have got one of the players. So the the answer is, it's Chandler Jones for Arizona, 43 sacks, and Aaron Donald for the Rams at 41. So those two are ahead of Cam Jordan since 2017. Chandler Jones, 43 sacks. Aaron Donald has 41 sacks. So I felt that one because I was going to go to Lamar Jackson one, but I felt I, I might do that down the road. But I thought it was a very interesting question because I didn't know the answer until I, I did research. And I said, well, he had a lot of sacks. So I, went, I was curious and did research. And I found out that I didn't know Chandler Jones had that many sacks. I guess when he was with New England. Because he was with New England before he he went back to he he went back and forth. So he got a lot of his sacks in New England, but he went to Arizona and picked up a. I think he had a, I think he had a. I know he had at least two double digit seasons sack wise. So so that's so that's the list. And I think next week it's we're going to talk about the conference. We're going to talk about the, give your reaction to the conference weeks. No fantasy, and for those in fantasy football, if you're in my position, folks, listen. If once again, piece of advice: if you see the cliff, don't jump yet. Because you know, if you, if you're in a position like Chris, you know, I don't know what to say. You know, Chris, like I say, Chris is Chris is that guy that you don't see him, you know he's there. He's like the Cheshire Cat, you know he's there, but you don't see him until he shows up. And proper preparation prevents piss poor performance, my man. There you go, and you <laughs> and see there you go, and you know I don't know how to top that. So what I will say is that thank you all for listening. And once again, the social media is at Sports to War, both Twitter and Instagram, and social media for Facebook is Sports in the World. And and for the word ampersand and go to the about templates of this episode and every episode. Leave your thoughts and comments. Rate the rate the podcast. Give us your thoughts, opinions, suggestions. If you know more than us, especially fantasy football, Chris knows more than 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 me, hands down. Because look where I am, folks. You know, folks, I was MC Hammer musically, and now I'm selling my baggy cold pants. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> so I can't afford the M and the C on my gate. So I had to sell the M. So I had to see my way out of the IRS. Up. So. So, but until you hear us again, until we hear you again, I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And be real and be real, be you and be blessed until the next time here on Sports of the World Football Edition. See ya.